0: The Bible says, the Bible teaches that churches are to be led by a plurality of leadership, right? So, so it, it's not Rick's church, right? It's not, oh, that's, that's Chuck's church, or that's, that's Jack's church. That's, that's not the concept of the New Testament. The New Testament is, it's Christ's church, yeah? And he raises within local bodies a plurality of leadership of men to serve, shepherd, and lead that congregation. So we thought this would be a unique opportunity for those of you to get to hear the heart of some of the elders that God has raised up from our church. Uh, The second reason was that there is so much that happens in a church that that isn't part of this 75, 90-minute, two-hour Sunday morning. And for the most people, their experience of church is Sunday morning and then maybe their community group But there's so much that happens in the life of a church that Sunday mornings tend to be the culmination of that or or happens in smaller groups and settings where a lot of the church doesn't get to see. And those things are faith-building, good or hard. And so we thought this would be an opportunity to bring our church in to see some of those kinds of things. So elders, where are the elders that are going to be with me on the platform today? Would you stand up? And make your way. come on down, guys. grab a microphone, grab one of these benches. And so we thought, we want to start this year and share with you all some of the things that goes on at our church as a way of talking about what God has done, right? So if you're paying attention, there's the three sermon points: what God has done, what God is doing, and then what God will do in the future. And the way we want to do that is, in a sense, bring you into that conversation as we as elders just share all these neat things that God's doing in our congregation, our little congregation that many of you don't get to see. So with that, uh, let me just share a couple of Scripture verses that set the context for why we're doing this. Number one, Psalm 911 says this, sing praises to the Lord, that's what we've been doing, who sits enthroned in Zion, tell among the peoples His deeds. That's what we want to do. Psalm 40, verse 9 and 10 says this, I have told the glad news of deliverance in the great congregation. Behold, I have not restrained my lips as you know, O Lord. I have not hidden your deliverance within my heart. I have spoken of your faithfulness and your salvation. I have not concealed your steadfast love and your faithfulness from the great congregation." In, in the ESV Study Bible, there's a note on Psalm 40 that really was so profound, said this, one's reception of God's help is not complete until he or she gives public thanks. And so that's a little bit of what we want to do this morning with the guys up here. So we have uh, Staff Elder Jared Burke there, and the rest of these guys are elders of the church, Ken Nip, Gary Wood, Randy Brown. And what we're going to just do is have a little bit of a conversation of what we as elders are involved in every week and get to see that a lot of you don't get to see and hear about that makes us so love what God is doing in our congregation. So, guys, with that, I just want to set the stage. uh, The three points being what God has done, what He's doing now, what we pray and He will do in the future. What has been filling your heart? What's making you grateful for what is happening now at Christ Community Church? By the way, this is for the most part, most part, completely unscripted. Everything I've said up to now is about all that we've planned. <laughs> so this is like live raw. We're going to sink or swim, and we're doing it together. So there we go. Take it away, guys. Dog paddle? <laughs> I can dog paddle.
1: It's not going to be very eloquent, I apologize. Um, I'll start. Uh, one of the things that I keep coming back to, I, I guess being a part of different churches over the years and going through those various ups and downs. Um, I've seen churches face a lot of different obstacles. And, uh, and, and our church has gone through ups and downs and we're at a point right now where the Lord is just blessing us in, in huge ways. And there's a sense of unity um, and brotherhood, a family here and i've had a lot of people come to me in and ask me well well, what is what has rick done what has he changed um and and you know i point to the lights back here and just say this is what it is right here we've added some my lights for two two years years. coming it's awesome (laughs) but uh seriously um the thing that that i've seen happen here uh, from an elder perspective is a renewed alignment on God for our sustenance here, and for uh, uh, our, any prosperity, any growth, any you know, we haven't bought some, you know, um, church growth package or been reading, you know, strategies on how to make things work, but it's, when Rick came, one of the things he had us do immediately was dedicate time to prayer. In elder meetings, whereas before, they were so much about just discussing all the things that need to be discussed now all of a sudden prayer was at the forefront, right? And, we're, we, and we spend a huge amount of time. And I think that is indicative of us just realizing this is God's church. And, and if it's going to grow, if there's going to be unity, if there's going to be um, good things happening here, it's God who's going to do it. And, and that's been beautiful for me to see. Yeah, oh,
2: Building on Jared's uh, intro there, there's... Four things that really stood out to me over these past years. Uh, Unity, focus, purpose, and outreach. And I've really seen this church come together. Uh, My wife and I have been attending here 31 years. And I know we're not the old-timers, but I'm the oldest one on this group. And uh, in so doing, you know, sometimes you resist change a little bit. But God has used that in my heart to uh, mature me in my walk with God. And I've seen men and women in this church grow as a result of unity, grow as a result of purpose. And um, discipleship is a key thing for me. I've always been encouraged and challenged by discipleship. And right now I have the pleasure of um, working with a young man named Asher Coe, which I'll embarrass all I can. Uh, He, at our men's retreat, uh, what, six, seven months ago, We were challenged as the older people to disciple the younger people and I like that challenge and little did I know Asher would teach me so much and so it's really been a growing process for both of us and it's been a blessing to um, be in a church where that freedom is available so if you're not growing it's like they told me in the Marine Corps if you're not growing you're dying so don't be a die grow in your walk with God
3: yeah, I think uh, to highlight uh, Jared's point and also the work that's going on currently, as uh, Gary had mentioned, God truly was preparing our church prior to the arrival of Rick. Mm-hmm. I think many of you that are here during that time, you know, we had gone through a period where uh, we rallied together as a church. Okay? We rallied together, not knowing who the next senior pastor was gonna be, but uh, as one body, we figured whoever the next person is going to be, great things are going to happen going forward. Uh, you know, we really thank the Lord for the, the process you know, that went through with the assistance you know, of the denomination, the members of the nomination committee. And I, re- I remember you know, as uh, Rick was being brought forward, uh, it was a period where all sorts of things were on the table. Hmm. Uh, things like you know, should we be absorbed by another congregation or merge with another congregation? Now those conversations never went far but they were on our minds uh i remember you know when uh, rick uh, came forward and was presented to the elders um, i gave him a hard time okay (laughs) um, because partly i knew there was another church uh, trying to call rick also and um, i was thinking well Let's see if Rick really feels called. So I gave a tough time, and I'm sure he remembers that. And a lot of the elders remember that, too. But despite the tough time I gave him, uh, you know, he, he, Laurie, and the family really felt the call to come here. And then um, did you want to say about your first meeting?
0: Oh, sure, sure. So this is something that most people don't know. Uh, and in particular, if you've been to the new to the church in the last 18 months, two years, my first elder meeting um, And this is to highlight God's faithfulness, yeah? So we want to put this in the context. Churches are much more than budgets and bylaws, but they're not less. If you can't make your ends meet, you're done as a local organized body of believers. My very first elder meeting, uh, I showed up, and apparently the bank showed up too. It was kind of an odd situation. And the bank showed up with a letter of default on the loan and said, yeah, we're probably not going to be able to refinance your loan. So I went home that night, and said to my wife, uh, maybe we shouldn't look to move down to South Orange County because we may not have a church in about six months. Well, with, now this isn't thing that we went to the church and we, we just, as men, prayed, rallied, said, Lord, what are you going to do? We have got to be able to refinance this loan. we got this great big building. What are we going to do? Well, within a year. Now, for those of you who don't know anything about finance, there are a couple of metrics that banks use to, to, to depend, to determine, is this church viable? And, and one of them we weren't meeting. We said, if we can't refinance this loan, we're done. Well, within a year, not only were we able to refinance that loan, we were able to refinance that loan at such a rate, we were saving tens of thousands of dollars every year. So now again, there's more of what's going on, but that was one evidence of, okay, God, you have more work to be done in this congregation, which has been here, for the most part, 40 years. I was reading our our history. This church was chartered the year I was born. So, 1970, it used to meet at that little racket club right off of La Paz and Mosquero or something like that, and in 1970, bought this piece of land. And so, we see God's faithfulness over four decades, and I thought, okay, Lord, if you're going to be faithful to pull this off, you have more work to be done in this congregation and through this congregation. Needless to say, though, that's not probably the best first meeting a pastor wants to go to, but God was very faithful in the last two years.
4: I've noticed, uh, <clears throat> uh, I've read uh, Galatians 5, 23, the, the fruit of the Spirit. It's love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. And there, I've had several interactions, uh, just as an elder here since June, uh, with several people. Um, one of them, and I, I, I got his permission to mention him, uh, is, is Hank Deming. And uh, I put him down as peace, actually, because I went over to visit him a few days before uh, his wife had passed. And he had um, uh, grief, but he also had peace. Uh, He really uh, preached to me. Uh, We had a great time of just sharing uh, the blessings of God and how great God was, even through that really tough chapter. And it still is a tough chapter for Hank. Mm -hmm. But we then uh, prayed And I was just impressed by the depth of his uh, clinging and and resting in Christ as as tough as a time as it was. And I I just see this many times replicated in this church, fruit of the spirit, where God gets the glory and he's working through his people. Um, Yeah, I I did want to mention one other person, a little bit private. Um, I meet sometimes, and Gary does as well, with, uh, with Steve. And, Steve, we, we love you. We love you, Sabrina. And, um, we had, Steve and I had a really great, deep talk. I think it was last Saturday. And at the end of that talk, I mentioned lightly uh, some changes in my uh, life. And I asked Steve to pray for me. And his prayer was so solid and deep, he opened with praising God and mentioning God's greatness, His attributes. And this is after having a pretty tough conversation about where Steve's going right now. Mm -hmm. It was wonderful to see God um, uh, meeting Steve and then Steve really uh, sharing that back to me. I was really thankful for that.
0: One of the things that's been encouraging to me is to see how our congregation has responded to some things that we've done that have been unconventional, uh, just, well, just like this morning, although this is completely brand new, so I'm not sure how you're going to respond to this, but our prior, your prior responses have given me so much confidence to do things that might be a little bit unconventional, like when we did a reflection service, oops, when we did a reflection service, uh, you know, most people didn't even know what that was, and I wasn't sure how this congregation would respond to it, and I remember so vividly going, okay, this is either going to sink or swim. Let's see how this goes, and I think the very first person who reflected here was Kyle Norman, who was very new to the church, and you, you never know. Pastors have always told me when they find out about our reflection service, we will never do that because they don't ever want to let go of the mic. They just, they don't know because they don't know what's going to come out, and I said, that's exactly what I want to see happen, because that helps me as a pastor know where we're at. And, and Kyle just hit that thing, I mean, just nailed that. And it was our study of Ephesians, and I thought, okay, we're going to be okay, until we introduce reading services. And I remember people heard about reading services, you're just going to sit there and hear God's Word read? And I said, yeah, that, that's what we're going to do. And how everyone responded so beautifully to that. And then in April, April 10th, or it was April 14th, when we're trying to finish 1 Samuel, we said, how cool would it be to do two reading services of the entire second half of 1 Samuel? It sounded fantastic at staff meeting, and then the Sunday of, I thought, are we really actually going to sit and read 1 Samuel for two hours? And boy, what a worshipful, wonderful, sobering experience it was for our congregation to spend sustained focus hearing the entirety of the second half of 1 Samuel read. And how you all respond, I thought, this is the kind of congregation that we can really do great things as a body of believers because of the way you are responding to God's Word. So impressed, so amazed.
1: Yeah, you know, Rick, um, and I think it kind of ties into what one of the things that you shared with us in one of our first uh, Member meetings or whatever you talked about, how the church is not about buildings, bylaws, and budgets. Did I get that right? Yep. But it's about the the body, and that's been one of the tremendous changes that I've seen in our church is this emphasis on the fellowship of believers here, the family of God here. And and we've seen that we see that on the elder team, where the elders are are talking about you. That may make you feel uncomfortable, but we're, we're, we're talking about the body and who has needs and praying for those needs individually. And, and it is a beautiful thing to sit in those prayer meetings and hear these elders just cry out to God on behalf of the body. But but it doesn't end there. It, it happens in our congregation as well, people being more concerned about each other's growth and welfare and care rather than just nitpicking things. And so I'm sure there are people who are like, oh, what's this rating service, you know, or, you know, Adam does this song, or, you know, oh, there's so many, you know, what are these lights and this wood? You, hear? you know, there's so many different things that we could focus on and, and nitpick. But, but that's, the emphasis has been pulled away from a criti- having a critical spirit and, and more on what's, what's God doing here? What does He want to do here? And, and we, we listen to the messages, not, not evaluating whether or not this was a good sermon, but what is God trying to teach me? How is He changing me? And, and who might need to hear this message as well?
0: Yeah, yeah. So, so that's some of… I mean, and that's just a glimpse of what God has done. Let's talk a little bit about what is God currently doing that as elders we're really encouraged by.
3: Anybody? I'll start. To back up briefly, uh, i like to talk about the preschool and what God has been doing in the preschool and what the, uh, God will be doing in the preschool. Uh, we went through this period uh, where uh, uh, the uh, enrollment in preschool went down to, to 58 students, you know, mainly because of the um, transitional kindergarten, so it's hard to compete against free, uh, but the uh, the Preschool committee and team, you know, we felt that it was a ministry. You know, even though you know we were suffering losses, that was important for us to keep uh, all the teachers. Uh, and not knowing, uh, you know, what would happen going forward, uh, because when you really think about it, preschool, is a ministry. So you never know. The next kid that comes to the preschool could be the future president of the United States or something. Uh, so. Uh, That was what was going on with the preschool. What's going on now with the preschool is this. Um, God had uh, allowed us to um, change our model a little bit. So we said, "Okay, well, if we lose people to transition to kindergarten, let's go down six months then and pick up the kids younger. Uh, God has allowed us to uh, bring on a new uh, director, uh, great leadership there. as well as staff who loves the Lord and they're attending our church. And so we've grown mm-hmm. from that 58 attendance to about 105 right mm-hmm. now. Mm-hmm. So when you think about it, it's a miracle what God has done. We just recently had our first uh, preschool parents uh, dinner uh, the week before Thanksgiving. And to our amazement, we had about 250, 275 attend. We actually had to have two seatings there So God, I see, has uh, opened up a a great ministry opportunity to those families. Uh, Most of them, you know, aren't part of our Sunday body. So I can see uh, there are still families there that we can reach out to. Granted, you know, a number of them are probably happy at their churches, but just like, you know, anywhere, uh, there's ministry opportunity.
0: You know, what, it doesn't… The, the irony is not lost on me that as we're talking about all these amazing things God's doing, we have a half a wing that is entirely empty. You know, so you're thinking, well, if God's doing all these great things, why is that entirely empty? A well, Part of it is because we forgot to put the, the ropes down, so everyone's sitting in the back. But what's interesting th- is as we're talking about God's growth, I think we have to condition in, it's not so much the volume, but the kind of people that God keeps drawing to our church. And Jared made a comment this morning that it's, he's surprised now. What was the mentality you said about members versus consumers? Yeah, the I don't
1: yeah put that spot, how, uh, there was a time when we are almost on the defensive where you know, you'd, you'd see new people come and you'd be thinking, what are they going to critique now? Mm. And, um, and now it's at the point where you receive a critical comment or anything like that, and it's almost surprising because it's, it's very uncommon mm-hmm. among our people here.
0: Yeah, I think that the kind of people that's been coming to Christ Community Church as a pastor is, for me, more important than the amount of people that, that come, right? Because it's not to say that we're focused on quality and we don't care about quantity, because that, that's a… Ma- that a healthy church grows. But what's really impressive is the kind of people that are coming to call this church home is really astounding to me. The kind of questions that are being asked, the quality of people that are saying, look, I want to find a local body that's going to help me fight my sin, that's going to challenge me to holiness, that's going to extend to me grace while holding me to a standard of truth, that's really neat to hear. Because as I told the elders this morning, my vision for this church would be full of two kinds of people, Christians who are completely sold out for the gospel and people who don't know a thing about Jesus. But they're pretty tired of the world and they think we might have something to offer them. That's an amazing combination. What, what we don't want is that kind of broad in the middle, we're, we're Christian ish, but I'm ca- cajoling you to read your Bible. We're asking you to think about things of the Lord. We want you to pursue sanctification. That's a lot of energy and resources poured out with little return. So we want to build a church where it's not that we're turning people away. But we say, hey, you want to be a part of a growing community that, that has been called out of the world to something different. We think that's going to be really attractive, especially in a world that's increasingly confused about what's going on. And so that's what is exciting to me. It isn't the amount. It's the kind of people that are showing up and saying, yeah, this is where I want to plug in and stay. Yeah, Randy, were you going to? Yeah, yeah I, guess,
4: I think that um, some of that strengthening and deepening of our walk is, uh, I've seen it in Community groups, of course, and I had another verse here, Acts 2.42, where basically the young church, uh, they were were devoted to the apostles' teaching, uh, fellowship, breaking of bread, uh, and prayers, and uh, community groups uh, many times exhibit all four of those things. Uh, The uh, co-community group certainly does, the, the best group at the church here. (laughs)
0: Yeah. uh, yeah. You obviously haven't been to the (laughs) Road Hebrew community group, so.
4: (laughs) But uh, seriously, uh, you know, many times we do have uh, food, we have great uh, fellowship, Uh, we uh, generally um, review uh, many times the sermon content that's been just preached. Uh, It's especially helpful if you do it perhaps close to after the sermon, and I think we're getting towards uh, twice a month, which is really important. I think it's uh, good to have that continuity but the prayer time many times is very deep and special. And again, it's not just about uh, the needs, which is very important, but also prayers for the uh, pastors, the elders of the church, local church, for God's will, um, the dealing with sin. Uh, it's a really special time, and it's a smaller group. It's like a mini church, perhaps, for, uh, of the larger church. Yeah.
2: One of the other things that uh, I've been involved in recently is working with our uh, seniors. And I'm finding out that uh, we're emphasizing growing in Christian living, not just growing, but growing in Christian living day by day. And um, we've got quite a group. I've learned probably more about myself now that I am a senior. I didn't think I was ever going to get there. But once you go over 70, you're considered seniors, right? (laughs) So um, it's a new approach to life. Because we look at life in a little bit different manner than the young people do. The young people, hey, full of vim and vigor and everything's going great. Well, what are you going to do with what you know? Mm -hmm. One of the goals that we're going to be emphasizing in this coming year is discipleship and working with younger people and sharing your faith and being an example. I think this is really a great opportunity for us seniors to be more of a witness to this generation that's coming up now. Because you've got a lot of young marriage, you've got a lot of singles and like that. Do they really know what it's like to be up all night with a baby? And do you really know what it's like to have your wife sick and you have to do all the work? And so that's one thing that we're gonna be working on and developing. But Acts Acts 6-4 really resonates with me. And it says, and we will give ourselves to prayer and to the ministry of the word. And that's two things that I feel are really important in our church. Give ourselves to prayer, daily prayer. When you got up this morning, was the first thing you did pray? It may or may not have been. But then to the ministry of the word. Every person has a unique responsibility to share their walk with God with another person. And I have that opportunity a lot because I'm in the jail a lot. Fortunately, they let me out. My wife has been threatening to let them keep me, keep me one of these days. But in doing so, you, you develop a sensitivity to people that are on the other side of the fence, which I think as an elder helps us or helps me in sharing with you folks. Yeah.
0: The, you know, we had uh, this, uh, February makes two years that I've been here. And in those two years, we've had two um, Kind of church discipline issues to work through, uh, and this is something that just the members of the body are involved in, but what's been really neat to see, again, so we've been seeing some great responses from positive upside things that we rejoice in, but, you know, God works in difficulty as well, and it's been neat to see what the lack of a better way to put it is people's appreciation for what the church is about. Uh, when we had one just within the last maybe three months, uh, I had some people come up uh, I'm thinking of this one person in particular. I won't name them by name because I didn't talk to them. But they said to me, wow, I need to be known more by my, by my community. But by, by, by what they meant by that was this church body. It says, I recognize that sin's deceitful nature can take me too. And I need to be known so that when you go to the body, the membership of this church, and call them to pursue, there are people in my life that I will listen to and I will hear. And, you know, I got off the phone with that individual and said, this person gets it. This is what it was about. There was a somber grief for the sin, but a tremendous love for this person. And yet, they also took it the next step and brought it home and said, I need to be more dialed in. So if that's ever me, if that's ever me, when the church has to exercise discipline, there are going to be relationships already built in that pull me back into the fold. And, and to me, that is beautiful to hear. And that's not even talking about the people who came out and says, I think I can do something about this situation. And so spending time on the phone with people who willingly are inviting inconvenience and awkward conversations, and, and, and boy, who wants to talk to somebody about their sin, right? I mean, I don't want to do it, and, and that's my role. How much more so somebody who could legitimately say, hey, you know, you're an elder, so you deal with it, but said, you know, I actually have relational equity. I'm going to pursue this person through real just self-examination. Should I be the person? I'm not good enough. I don't know if I can do it. And boy, watching them say, you know what? I see this is the way the Lord works. I'm going after this person. And, and I wish I could say there's been great results on the other side, but just the, what the Spirit's been doing in the hearts of those two people, it's been amazing. And that's just two slices of all else of what God's doing in our congregation. Yeah.
1: And that's one of the beautiful things about being a part of a, of a gospel-centered, gospel-breathing, you know, living church is that church discipline isn't, isn't a bad thing. It's not something that we need to fear. It's something that we actually appreciate here that to, the, to the point where, you know, I'm a part of this community, and if this community sees me veering away from Christ, which is something that is detrimental to my existence, they're going to come alongside me, and they're going to pull me back, it's a, and that's been, from an elder perspective, that's been the, the beauty of these instances that we've had is that this isn't, okay, who do we need to slap on the wrist here, but mm-hmm, it's right. who do we need to care for and bring back into the fold, it's, yeah. it's awesome.
0: And, and that's not in any church growth kit, by the way, exercise church discipline. That is not in those kits. That's just something we read in scripture and say, this is something we gotta do, right? This is something that we as a body of believers have to do for our own sake, and to see people responding has been great, yeah. Uh, two things I noticed, I know we're running out of
4: time. I, I noticed. Coming back here, that uh, we have a strong missionary uh, involvement, which is wonderful to watch. And so uh, we have people all over the world, and they are spreading the gospel to areas that would not hear the gospel except for people like them that we send out. Um, the other one was, yeah, that basically I, I sense and see that there's many people here who have a love for Christ and they have a love for the gospel, perhaps a little less about love for doctrine. Although you need to have doctrine, of course. But I think there's much more of a uh, dependence on Christ and the gospel and less perhaps uh, nitpicking about uh, doctrinal points, as yeah. important as they are. Uh, yeah. I'm seeing just love for what has happened at the cross uh, for us through Christ. Yeah, more, and so, more.
0: So let me jump in on that. So he was talking about mission. So Brent Haberchak, you guys may know the name. Brent got saved in our high school ministry here. He was one of these guys from Mission Vale High School that man, he was, no, you would not think he would ever come inside a church. He got saved. He and his family are in Papua New Guinea. He's a pilot there, bringing the gospel, bringing missionaries to like some of the most aviation-wise dangerous places to get to, and they just got licensed to do medevac transports to Australia. So, the reason I'm sharing that is, Randy pointed, because you're involved in a local church, what we did in our offering, you are actually helping bring medevac care, not just to Christians, but to people in PNG, Papua New Guinea, not only hearing the gospel, getting medical attention, being cared for by somebody who got saved right, who used to sit right where you're sitting now, who got radically saved, who was not somebody you would ever think would call on the name of Christ, and now he's an uh, aviation missionary. And that's just one. He's on the board there in his family, and then there's our, the, the, I don't know if I guess There's another family from our church who are not just bringing the gospel, but bringing economic resurgence to a communist country through a business model, so they're bringing the gospel message, but they're also bringing in a a, a way to make a living to people who would not have a, a living otherwise, and that's because you're part of a local church. You're giving sacrificially, and that's happening. And, and, and we don't talk about that enough, and that's why part of why we want to do this is say, look, what we do here on Sunday morning is this 75 minutes. It has far greater implications than these 75 minutes, way more. All the things we talked about kind of segue into our Sundays, but they flow out of it and come back into it. And in some cases, like the Haberchaks and these other missionaries, you don't even think about them, but they're out there doing that in large part because of the sacrificial giving of this church. Mm-hmm. And and the
1: giving isn't just monetary. Yeah, I mean, it's it's the time. I mean, are the Sunday school teachers that ministered to to Brent, you know, and and so many others. I mean, yeah. If you're not, if you haven't been a part of Sunday school ministry or you know children's ministry, youth ministry, or you know adult class, any anything like that, I mean, get involved in those things because real stuff is taking place there. Real life changes and God is working. And, and the evidence of it is guys like Brent. Yeah.
2: Like it says, it says go and make disciples. It says it doesn't say go and make new people or uh, anything like that. Make disciples. Well, what's a disciple? Is A disciple is one who is growing in their daily walk with Christ. Yeah. And they're not afraid to share their faith in Christ. You know, it, it's easy to be a Christian and sit on the sidelines. And what I like about the church, this, our church right now is providing opportunities for you to grow in your walk with Christ and growth groups and, and seminars and everything else. It's not made for the other guy, it's made for you. It's made for you to go to, for you to learn from, for you to practice. You know, we sit up here and, and yeah, we have different gifts and different, different opportunities. But you have the opportunity to grow and be that person that goes and reaches a person like Brett Haparczyk. Or I know when I was in the high school ministry, some of the guys that I worked with and discipled then are now carrying on in the ministry. But, you know, it's not the other person's job to do it. It's your job to do it.
3: You know, I to give a big shout out to everyone else because, you know, sometimes we forget about the behind the scenes people here that make a big difference. Uh, they could be the audio visual people that's why you can hear us uh, the ushers the greeters, you know the volunteers on the worship team uh, you wouldn't believe how many times we would run into visitors uh, that are so grateful for the warm handshake and everything uh, i remember one time we had interviewed a potential uh, preschool director candidate and her first comment was i can't believe how warm inviting and friendly the church is mm-hmm. so that's a testimony on yourselves too yeah. so.
0: And and just one thing, we got to wrap it up. Time's already. I mean, this is this goes quick. Don't seek to serve. And this is not planned. So I I don't know if this is the Lord or not. But if you're part of this church, don't look for an opportunity to serve where you feel like you're good at it. Right? You're never going to find the New Testament the kind of gifts matching system our culture tends to think. As a matter of fact, you find the opposite in the New Testament. Wherever you're weak, God is strong. In our culture, we got that uh, kind of reverse, wherever your strengths are, that's where you serve. I guess what I'm getting at is don't just… don't serve where you feel like you want to. Serve where the need is. And, and fo- my friends, there's needs everywhere. I could throw a rock into our sanctuary on a Sunday morning and point out needs. If you're part of this church and you're like, man, I want to plug in, I want to dial in, I want to get closer to the center don't just serve where you want to serve or where your strengths are, because you're really not going to find that theology in the New Testament. What you find is, man, just serve where the need is, and God's going to give you the grace to sustain you. And look, we're out of time. We didn't even get to talk about what we feel like the Lord is doing, wants to do, and we didn't talk about uh, in May where we're going to be having a conference talking about human sexuality. We're bringing in some scholars from back east and and, and, and apologists from Stand to Reason, and we're going to hit this issue head on. It's going to be awkward. It's going to be uncomfortable. We're going to draw lines in the sand because we think that's what Scripture does particularly the more confused our culture gets. So, we want to talk about human sexuality. And then in the fall, we want to talk about biblical counseling. How do we as a church move towards one another, bringing God's Word to God's people in a way that can change our lives? And we didn't even get a chance to talk about that because we're done. So, let's pray, and I'm going to invite Adam and the team back up. Father, we thank You for this brief, very brief opportunity Where elders of our church. The the, the congregation can get to know and hear the heartbeat of our elders. Lord, we give you glory for the work you have done in and through this church. It is not us, Lord, Psalm 119, Psalm 115, not unto us, not unto us, O Lord, but to your name be the glory. You have been doing a work on this spot for four decades. By your grace, you'll continue that long after we are all gone. We are stewarding this local body of believers. Give us the wisdom. Give us the grace to steward it well. May you be glorified for the good of your people in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Guys, talk about what kind of gives you particular joy about serving as an elder or what you've seen God doing in the last couple of years or just in the history of this church. That was pretty broad.
5: <laughs> so uh, I'll go first. Um, y- you know, we've been around the church a long time. Of course, you see a lot of ups and downs kind of said in the first service as well. Uh, glad to say we're, we're kind of on an upswing now, at least in my mind. Uh, but the last two or three years, I've just seen uh, God's graciousness and love from the congregation poured out to other people. It's it's almost overwhelming. Uh, Just a little sample just from the elder board. Uh, We get notices when, you know, people go have issues. Maybe they're in the hospital or they might need visitation. And probably at least half a dozen times, I've gotten it maybe an hour afterwards, and I'm thinking, oh, I could go do this. And already two or three other people have already said, I'm already there. So just, uh, just the love being shown by everyone yeah, is, is pretty overwhelming.
0: At, at our Thanksgiving dinner, somebody came up to me. Well, I, I actually came to them. Started, didn't know them, started talking to them. And they said in the best possible way, what is the deal with your people? And I thought, oh, no, what, what am I going to hear? You know? and, and this young lady said, they have been excessively, almost unbelievably kind and generous to us. And I, and I just said, well, that's just God seems to be in His providence fit to be working that way, and that's what you're seeing. I hope that's your continued experience, and I think they would say that it is.
6: I'd like to share. Mike's been an elder uh, four, four times now, maybe four times. I, uh, I'm in my first term, started uh, a year and a half ago. So he's the rookie. I'm the Easy rookie. Easy on it. And it was, it was a, an awakening. I had it in my mind that I would use the skills that I had developed in business and just use them as an elder. <laughs> Week one, I found myself uh, called to counsel a broken relationship. Not what I had seen coming. <laughs> and I'd have to say that uh, God worked mightily in that relationship. He healed that relationship. He brought another elder alongside me. He brought the other elders to pray for this couple who was struggling. And it was was an aha moment, I think, for them and I think for me, because the Lord was working in all of our hearts. And that was week one. (laughs)
7: Yeah. I think kind of expounding on what Herbert said, another situation that came up about a year and a half ago, um, that I'm just, it's amazing to see how God worked through our church in the situation. Um, it, It was basically brokenness at its finest as far as sins wreaking havoc on a person's life. And we got the opportunity, we didn't have to, we just had a connection and decided someone needed to step in, somebody needed to serve this person and so we took that on as a church and as i was thinking as we were talking through if we were going to do that or not it was amazing to see our our board and and, and god working through it that god is a god of redemption Mm -hmm. and through the last year we've gotten to see restoration like actual working out of god restoring a person from sin to righteousness which is huge because you just see like we talk so much about like the gospel is the core of what we believe and we believe that God saves sinful people but we got to see firsthand like God really doing it through the ministry of our church yeah
0: so we said this morning that being an elder the advantage that we have is we get ringside seats in the sanctification right? In all of its glory and beauty, but all of its its devastation and tragedy as well. And and the great thing about being at a church is both of those are mingled together at at any one time. And as shepherds, one of my great delight is watching when we do the Lord's Supper service. Uh, I know there's more efficient ways to do it. I know there's less uh, carpet-staining ways to do it, but I love to watch how God orchestrates some of the things that we're talking about here, and how somebody will end up being served the elements of the Lord's Supper by somebody else that maybe they had a rift with, or, or that was the perfect person. Uh, Mel, I got to share with you. So I didn't ask for this permission, so it's just, we're just going here. So last week we did Lord's Supper service. For those of you who may not know, Mel works with disabled and special needs, at Safeway. And, and he was serving, and there was somebody in our congregation that fit that category. That Mel, they didn't plan this. He was just there to serve. And the interaction and the relationship there, you, you can't plan that stuff, you know? And to see God doing that constantly throughout the congregation is so beautiful to see. Yeah,
8: I think kind of building off of just, you know, the fact that we've shown love for one another, but I think also just another thing is just this unifying… Uh, um, a sense in the church. I think, you know, over the years we've seen you know, change, you know, a lot of change, but in the last couple of years, just this, this, this unity amongst the body. And I know uh, Rick shared first hour that, you know, we've had these services like reflection services, reading services, a new way of doing communion, and just, I, I just sense that the church just, they're just excited about, let's just go together as, as a church body. And I think also, um, alongside of that, not having a critical mindset but really just, uh, again, rallying around one another, uh, around the gospel, and saying, this is what we're about, we're a church about Jesus Christ, and that's been amazing to see, even from the platform, but also out there, and see your guys' lives reflect that, yeah.
0: Yeah, having people, so I shared last week, sometimes we'll go to, pastors go to these conferences, and, and it's probably like a business conference that a lot of you involved in industry, and people are asking questions, how things go, and you know, I kind of talk to them about a reading service, and that's always intriguing, and they say, wait, you, you do what? you just open the Bible and you read it. And, and they're thinking you are violating every principle of church growth that's ever been written because that, that is not the way that you're going to get them to come to your church. And there is a sense in which watching our people, because it does sound odd that we're just… because people say, well, I can just do that on my own, right? Um, but there's something so worshipful that I think we've experienced when we all sit under, it, it is a actual existential reminder that we are under the authority of God's Word corporately as it's being read. And, and I have been so amazed. I so, I'm grateful to God for our people because to do that one service and everyone respond well, that was great. And then for some reason, we thought it would be a good idea to do that two and a half hours running on a Sunday. Remember April 14th last year, finish up the entirety of the second half of 1 Samuel. And we thought, how cool would that be? Until that Sunday morning, I thought, what are we thinking? But I think if you were there, wouldn't you say that was probably one of the most powerful Sundays to sit here from 9 a.m. to noon with a little bit of a break, uh, have donuts and coffee, and come back to hear God's Word just read. And and I feel like I just love my congregation. I love these people, you know, yeah.
7: I think one of the other things I see God is definitely doing in our church is I'm excited about the momentum that's growing in our community group ministry. Yes. That I was just talking to a gentleman this morning. He's like, yeah, I signed up. I'm like, sweet, I'll check with Tim. But that we constantly have people right now who are trying to get into groups because our groups continue to overflow and we're looking for leaders and we're finding leaders who are willing to say, I'm not sure if I can do that, but here, coach me and I'll step out and do it trying to stretch themselves in order to serve God and it's so great to see that because the core one of the core commandments that God gives us is to make disciples to care for one another and that's done best in our community groups and it's neat to see the church getting the um, the concept of that and, and buying into it and I mean I've even one of the in my community group, like, I've been blessed just by our leaders. Um, there was a night that it was just my wife and I and our leaders. And it was perfect because we were struggling with sleep with my child. And it was that encouragement of helping, encouraging one another to live godly lives that, that happens so well in those small groups.
0: Yeah, and it's not, that couple's much older than you, right? <clears throat> so it's not that we're, we're creating a church of little, what's that? <laughs> <laughs> well, in a good way. You're se- they're se- they were a seasoned couple. Thank you, Nicole. That's a good it was a seasoned couple, but we're not trying to build a community of everybody who's alike. You gather here, and everyone who's like this, you gather there. Right. We're trying to build a community where some of us have nothing in common but Jesus. Right. And you know what? That's everything, because the world doesn't have that, does it? The world is about, we're exactly like, so we're going to be in our meetup group, or we're like me, so we're going to be here. But when they come into a church, they ought to see us being completely with, what do you have in common? Like, what's Jesus? Sorry, Mike, what are you going to say? No, I was just going to
5: add on to that. It, it's kind of a, an attitude of being willing and available to let God work. And uh, I've seen it in all the ages. Um, even on a Sunday, I saw somebody say, I'm going to go sit by this person, brand new, didn't know it, but uh, they had a need, and they were able to befriend this person and really reach
0: out and, uh, oh, man. Uh, and help. Yeah, are we thinking about the same story? Yes. Yeah, yeah. So, so there's this person. We're going to leave a name us because we didn't get permission, but somebody visiting, as Mike said, had a need, and this individual said, well, I'm going to reach out to this person. Just, and it was just a simple interaction and worship next to this person. That, that individual told me, This person who reached out to them and just started to engage me and engage the Lord in such a genuine way met that person's need. They felt totally connected. And I wish I could tell you the story because it's so much more powerful. But here's the thing. It's not like these individuals knew all the story and were skilled and experts in the subject matter. It was, hey, I'm so-and-so. Do you mind if I connect with you? Mind if I sit next to you and just start to worship? And, and that, that individual is being ministered to in that way, and there's so much of that happening all the time.
6: It happened, uh, it happened in my experience within the last week. We, you know, it's often somebody will give you their burdens and you say, I'll pray for you. Well, this person said, well, I'm learning that the best time to pray for them is right now.
0: Gee, I wonder where <laughs> they got that from. <laughs> <laughs> we've been, we've
6: been uh, using that. Philosophy for the last two years, mm-hmm. and it's it's reflecting now in the congregation, and it's a joy to see it in the palm court, in the lobby, even right here in the chapel.
5: Yeah. It, even even this morning, someone didn't know I was going to sit up here, found out, and just took me aside
8: and prayed for me right out in the palm court. It, it's great. Yeah. It's neat to see. I have to uh, oh, go ahead. I was to say it's neat to see the the um, the. People are just excited about, you know, again, uh, praying for one another, but also serving. I was thinking about Adventure Week last year. I don't know if you guys remember that. Something brand new, we tried to do an a, a evening VBS Adventure Week. And um, there's this whiteboard in which we put like oh, yeah. 80 different positions, and we thought we're never going to fill these. And it was amazing to see over the course of a couple weeks, and uh, all those names were filled. And I think we had maybe a one-to-one ratio of kids to adults yeah, it was and awesome. no, it was awesome. It was awesome. It was really amazing to see our church, um, you know, not even fulfill the need, but just even even over overcommit and just just be excited about these kids, about who we're sharing the gospel with, and just yeah, we haven't seen that in a long time, and it was just really neat to kind of wrap around that, and uh, and again to see you guys really say, hey, I want to be a part of that, whether it's decorating, food, whatever, hanging out upstairs, ministering, counseling. So it was neat.
0: I mean, what a witness to the world, right? I mean, you, many of you worked a full-time nine-to-five and then showed up here five days in a row to serve yet another three-and-a-half hours to a bunch of high-energy kids. I mean, can you, I mean, that itself was a testimony, to, I think, to our community and to the people you talk to because who goes home and just gives of themselves that way? But that was such a great experience as a congregation. It would have been much easier to do it in the morning, Right? Uh, that's the way we normally did, but we switched it to the evening, and boy, nobody missed the beat here. It was like, yeah, let's get on that, and it was a blessing. Yeah. And, and this faithfulness is not just, we're not, this isn't a puff piece on the last couple years. Folks, this church, four decades, I, I was reading our history, it was chartered the year I was born. <laughs> so, 1970. So, uh, I don't know, man, it would be interesting to know. I bet you none of us, none of us here, certainly me, is, are the original charter members, but who would have known what God would have done 46 years ago? Actually, in 1968, the Bible study started in somebody's house in Laguna Hills. Well, more than 40 years later, this is still what's going on. And it's not because of us. We got to be clear on that. As Psalm 115 says, it's not unto us, O Lord, not unto us, but to your name give the glory. That's what we want to say is we're pulling back the curtain and say God is doing so many amazing things. And, and, and it so much transcends Sunday mornings. And the first hour ended appropriately, I think, with a call to service to our people. Mm-hmm. We want you to get involved, not because we have tasks that need to be fulfilled, but because we are jealous to see you guys be blessed by giving your lives away for things that matter. Uh, you, some of you know the name Haberchak, Brent Haberchak, got say He was a high school student at Mission BO High School, came to this high school ministry and was one bad dude, right? Those of you who remember him. Even today, you're kind of wondering, uh, you really are a Christian, let alone a missionary. Get saved in our high school ministry and now he's flying medevac between Australia and Papua New Guinea, among other things, bringing missionaries into the most dangerous places. And he's a result of the people who loved him from this congregation. And that's continuing out, going on. And we want you all to see that, that it's so much more. We gather Sunday mornings as the celebrational moment of it. But this is really the huddle before the game, in a sense. And, and that's what we're trying to give you a vision for.
5: You know, isn't that great? The real the, the point there is that this is what God is doing. And, and more and more, I think, at least on the elder board, God is making clear to us that he's working and it's not us. Yeah. We're just willing and serving.
0: You guys remember what Jared said? He's not here. He said, God is taking us from people dependent on strategy to people that are leaning into shepherding, right? That, that's, that may not be all elaborate, but I loved that. He's taking us from people who are dependent upon five-year projected plans and strategy to just say, just shepherd my people. Just love them, and it's going to happen. And, and it's been neat to see that happen. Okay, so we talked about what God has done. Let's talk a little bit about what God is doing. I know there's some overlap here. What are some things, what gives you most gratitude as an elder? Now, you've done it four times, so something's got to, be, there's got to be some reason you keep coming back. But why are you, what gives you gratitude as an elder? I'll start out, and I'll start on the finance side.
6: Um, all of you remember, um, The road the church was on for the past five years was up and down, and the seasons were good and bad. Two years ago, have you been here two years?
0: Yeah, been, next February, two years. Two years ago,
6: Rick was presented with a letter from our lender.
0: Yeah, (laughs) my first elder meeting, very first elder meeting, the bank shows up. Default. (laughs) Yeah. It it was a technical
6: uh, definition of the word, but it basically meant... It was a reminder, I should say, of what, really what Proverbs 22 tells us. Uh, the borrow, borrower, us, is the slave to the lender. And the lender was reminding us that we were in technical default on this facility, and not a good place to be. <laughs> and, uh, and somehow through your generous giving and through God's grace, we found a way to not only get a new lender that liked us better, (laughs) that gave us better interest, that saved us 48,000 a year, year, of which we're putting into every ministry, but in the process of doing that, the whole congregation kind of got in the same boat, swimming in the same direction feeling um, a unity that we hadn't seen for five mm-hmm. years. And that was, I think that probably brought me as much joy as anything in the last year, seeing that happen. Yeah.
0: And husbands probably do this. I went home that night after elder meeting and apologized <laughs> to my wife. I said, I don't know what I was doing. I don't know what I got us involved in. We just <laughs> got a letter of default of the church. I, I haven't even preached yet. <laughs> and the bank is saying, we're going to close the doors. <laughs> Usually they do that after they hear me preach and say, oh, we're closing the doors. But... But, the, the, you know, a church is more than, than finances and budgets and all that, but really it, it's not less, right, as an organized entity. And so we thought, guys, if, if, if God does not come through, and for those of you who are aware of it, when, when you're default, they then can say, We're own, we own the building and you're done. And we thought, Lord, and we can't get refinanced. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, week one, two week, month one of my tenure was a bit nerve-wracking, <laughs> but then… Within a year, within a year, not even less. Not only were we able to refinance, but at a rate that saves us thousands and thousands of dollars.
6: There there is a cute anecdote to that, and I hope Rick will forgive me. Um, One of the lenders we were talking to wanted us to buy a $1 million insurance policy on him.
4: (laughs) Because I'm worth it, right? (laughs) Right.
6: Sounded fine to me, except they wanted to be the beneficiary. <laughs> so, so I thought, I, I got to get out of this. So I go over to Rick's house and I said, uh, Rick, do we carry life insurance on you? <laughs> he kind of looks down at the ground. He says, Honestly, I don't know. He said, uh, Lori handles all that. He says, Truth is, I'd work for free if I didn't have to support a family.
0: (laughs) I apologize to my wife
7: a second time after that comment. (laughs) So, I Uh, think with what uh, Herb was talking about, man, what gives me the most joy about being an elder is getting a front seat to serve people. If anything, I think being an elder helped me hone in more and take more ownership of what I'm called to do as a Christian anyways, Mm. but with that generosity... So, one of my roles as a deacon is overseeing, well, as an elder, is overseeing the deacon board, which one of the deacon ministries is, uh, part of that is the Benevolence Fund. And it has been amazing to see the amount of generosity from our church, because we ask you guys to give to the Benevolence Fund above and beyond what you're giving is just to help our church function. And it's been amazing to see the amount of funds we've given to that, and then what we've been able to do out of that. I mean, we've helped... People who have car issues, who can't pay their bills, who need emergency medical bills, uh, food, all sorts of things. A lot of that to people in our own church. So it's such a great, I I think about this old audio adrenaline song, like I want to be your hands, I want to be your feet. And and I love getting to be kind of part of that and getting to see, I mean, you guys are all part of that because you give to the Benevolence Fund.
0: Yeah, so 2 Corinthians 8 9 says this. It perfectly captures that. Um, Let me go back to verse 8. Paul writes this to the Corinthians. I say this not as a command, but to prove by the earnestness of others that your love is also genuine. For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though He was rich, yet for your sake He became poor, so that by His poverty you might become rich. That's what we're talking about. We are trying to, as a congregation, we are trying to, as elders, we're trying to do as just men, to be a reflection of the character of God, and that's what Paul's getting at. And if we're doing that individually, we're doing that corporately, that, that is the plan, that, that, the plan we have for our church. Our five-year plan is we want to reflect the character of God. And, and just right there, in, just in our benevolence fund. And how, really, how boring is that? I mean, you think of a, you're going to talk, listen to that on a Sunday sermon, we're talking about the amount of our benevolence fund, but that is a small example of the, the character of Christ who, though He was rich, for our sake, <laughs> our sake became poor. And, and that's what we're saying. That's what we are trying to build together, just people who want to be like the character of Jesus Christ. And And we're seeing that in spades, and our grief is that you guys don't get to see it as much as we do, right? Because a lot of times we we come in and we go out, and that's another reason we call to get involved. Again, not because we need tasks, because we're jealous to have you meet these great people behind these stories that many of you do know, and many of you have. But for those of you who may not be dialed in, to call you to the dearest place on this planet is being involved with people in a local body yeah it's it's messy it's it's uh sometimes you'd rather not be inconvenienced but it's so good for your soul it really is yeah
8: well it's been neat uh as well uh, since my son's in our preschool um about a couple years ago i remember in an elder meeting uh our preschool was it was it was about 50 people maybe 50 kids uh, It was about half capacity and, you know, our director was unsure, and it was kind of a little bit of a weary time. And it's been neat to see, um, even through uh, even the interview process, um, I think we, we, we interviewed several people, but I think one of the coolest things was uh, our, our elders and, and, and you know, our pastors sometimes wanted to just, let's just hire that person, but we really wanted to trust in the Lord and find the right person. And, and one of the criteria was their ability to, to tell the gospel in a way that a kid would understand, and it was really neat to see how we just trust the Lord and said, "Let's find the right person, the right person." So thankful that that Angela. I don't know if you've gotten to meet Angela, she's just an amazing fit for this preschool. And now our we're preschool we're, we're we're booming. We're over hundred kids with a waiting list of twenty kids waiting, just itching to get in. And it's been neat to see God's faithfulness through that as we just trust in the Lord and said, "Lord, this preschool is in your hands. It's a ministry of our church." These are kids in which we have a great staff. Uh, we we want to pour on these kids who God is His greatness, and it's been neat as well. Just you know, there's there's a great ministry. There's hundreds of of, of parents there, um, who uh, who who that's a great ministry for us. And we've seen some of the parents even come here, and it's been neat to see our church just welcome them in and just be glad that that they're here. So it's been neat to see that.
0: So, believe it or not, we've got to wrap this up. We have a little more than five minutes. That clock is wrong. Yeah, so we have a little bit more than five minutes. Let's talk a little bit about what we hope God will do. So, let's, just, let's think a little bit about the future. What are you guys feeling? Well, I, um, I was excited to see that, uh,
6: you know, there's an intersection of faith and business. Y- you've heard about the intersection of Hollywood and Vine. There's mm-hmm. an intersection of faith and business. And it's an intentional... Um, it's an intentional place that we have to put ourselves in business environment and there's a class starting on that and I, I know the Lord's going to work powerfully in that regard with the, with the men and I don't know if there's women involved in it as well but business people, men and women will be joining that. I'm really looking forward to seeing what that's going to bring to this congregation.
7: Yeah. I think looking forward there, there's a few things we have coming up this year so you're talking about that our goal is to see our church reflect the character of God and know him better uh we live in a we live in a world with a lot of narratives a lot of them I mean a lot of them are counter to biblical worldview and and the biblical manhood and womanhood conference we have coming up this year and the uh counseling that we have Mm -hmm. coming up this year both of those and and, uh, stepping back the uh evangelical evangelical training we just had like Helping you guys be equipped to be engaged with our culture, to fight it head on so we can have conversations out where we're living with people to tell them, hey, this is the truth. Know the truth and be uh, appropriately um, taught in how to do that.
0: Yeah. Yeah, so what Alan's talking about is that we are partnering with the, the Council of Biblical Manhood and Womanhood because we think human sexuality, our culture, you know, it's just crazy. It is just, it breaks my heart, these are the, this is the culture my kids live in, that they're being exposed to, uh, and, and the Bible's very clear on these issues. And, and not in a, uh, I'm going to thump you over the head kind of thing, but the Bible has the answers, God, the Christian worldview has the view of reality that actually corresponds to the way things work so we can flourish. And so in May, we're partnering with this organization and just doing a, a conference Friday, Saturday night, and, and we're going to hit head on these issues. Some of these scholars have literally written the book on some of these issues, uh, transgenderism and how do we make sense of that and, and gender and all these things. So we want to, again, equip, and we don't want to be that circle of the wagon. We want to move out to the world, and the ba- way we do that best is to understand that we actually have something to give that people really want, even if they might not know that they want it or need it right now. And and then in the fall, we're doing three months of counseling, training, and discipleship training for our church because we're also convinced that the people of God with the Word of God and the power of God has everything we need, according to 2 Peter, to live a life of godliness and virtue and power. Um, And so, we want to equip our church to be able to move towards one another that way and to their friends. You you know, I rarely get people, and the elders, we rarely get people who come to us and say, look, I just need to reconcile. What is this justification by faith thing, right? But we always get people saying, how do I get along with my wife? How do I stop losing it with my kids? And you know what? Either way, we're going to take them to the cross. Either way, we're going to take them to Jesus Christ. And so, we want to capitalize on people's felt needs to bring them to Jesus. So, those are things that we have planned for this next year that we want to see, not just for our benefit, but for the benefit of other churches and other Christians in this area. Yeah. Wow, that was quick. So, last comments, guys. Lightning round, parting shot. Let's start with Alan. (laughs) (laughs) let's Let's start with Adam.
8: Sure, sure. I just, again, building on Rick's, this, 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 this counseling thing coming up this fall, I'm really looking forward to how God's going to, uh, you know, uh, equip us. Again, it's not just the staff elders and the elders who are given all those tasks, but I think Rick shared first hour that you might have a, a deeper relationship with someone else and might be able to minister to them better than we can. So by equipping you guys, equipping more and more in our church, we'll be able to, again, help counsel, help guide, help point people to God and the gospel. So
6: parting shot for me is uh, welcome and thank you to all the young yeah. people, the, the yeah. new faces that yeah. I see in the congregation. What a joy it is to experience that. And I thank you for joining this congregation and I urge you to participate in it.
2: Yeah.
5: Yeah. Uh, so I like uh, the Greg Kokel uh, conference uh, because he made it clear that uh, God works with us where we're at. Mm-hmm. You don't have to be super professor uh, you just have to show God's love wherever you're at. So, that we're willing and available yeah. is
7: important. So, when people ask me, you know, how's church going? I mean, one of the easy numbers I can say is we've got more people coming. But I think about the neatest thing that I love about what's going on in our church is God is sanctifying people who know Him and God is redeeming people who don't. And that is the thing that I'm so stoked about is going on in our church.
0: We couldn't end on a better note than that. Let's pray. Gracious Father, we are sinners saved by grace. We are all stories of your great love redeeming a rebellious and sinful humanity. Father, our great desire is to be a church that points people to this glorious rescue that is found in Jesus Christ. May we all, as we all have been sanctified and given gifts by your Spirit, use those gifts for the glory of God and the good of his people. And we'll thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen.
8: Thanks for listening to this message from Christ Community Church of Laguna Hills. For more information and resources from Christ Community, visit us at www.ccclh.org.